All right, here we go. It's our second. I'm very, very excited. This is such a cool technology and such a cool forum to talk about the Colts. And in the Colts, the Colts are in such an interesting situation. And I, I really think that one of the things that we've got to talk about is Frank Reich and the effect that he's going to have on Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan coming in as, I mean, how many years has it been in a row? Every year that Frank Reich's been here, every year the Colts have have brought in a new starting quarterback or had a new starting quarterback for Frank Reich, and, and this is going to be his fifth, and it's Matt Ryan. And here's the effect that Matt Ryan has had, or, or that Frank Reich has had, upon quarterbacks who came in and played for him the first year. You look at uh, Andrew Luck in 2018, his passer, or his QBR went to the highest level it had ever been. He retired on top 69.6. That was a 3.7 point improvement. Jacoby Brissett went up by 8.8 .8 points. Philip Rivers went up by 4.5. Carson Wentz went up by 12.8. In the aggregate, you know, you can expect a seven and a half point lift for a new quarterback under Frank Reich. And that would take Matt Ryan from last year at 46.1 to 53.6. And and before anybody, uh, you know, gets a little bit sideways and, and says that, uh, you know, it's not just Reich, it's playing behind a good offensive line, it's the weapons that he has, all of that stuff. Well, Reich is part of that process. And, and the lines change periodically. The weapons have certainly changed. And that's one thing we're going to talk about, too, is T.Y. Hilton. And should T.Y. Hilton be back? So if you've got opinions about that, activate yourself as a caller. We'll take callers. And um, it, it's going to be a uh, – what we're going to hear are a couple of things. We're going to hear from people who want T.Y. Hilton back because of what he was. We're going to hear – people talk about T.Y. Hilton perhaps coming back because of what he might bring, what he has brought in the past, and, and nostalgia. You know, there, there's a nostalgic aspect to this that's really, really important. And, and so as you come on the air as a caller, please make sure and you unmute yourself so we can hear what you have to say. Uh, let's go to... Uh, um, Let's, uh, Paul, let me see. I've got to. Uh, I got to figure this out. I'm sorry about that. Um, well, I've 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 lost Paul. I think. Um, let's see here. Let's see. What, there's Paul. All right, he's the next caller. Paul's the next caller. Make sure and unmute yourself, Paul. How you doing this afternoon? Good, Kent. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great. Good, the weather kind of cleared up in Central Indiana. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful weekend. So. Uh, I'm good. Derby day, talking colds. It can't be better. Well, that's good. I'm I'm in the Southern California desert, so it's hot and dry here all the time and windy. But anyways, um, yeah. As far as Ty, I honestly I think the addition of Reggie Wayne as a wide receiver coach kind of negates the the need for the leadership role. Yeah. That a lot of people are trying to justify Ty coming back with. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with T.Y. in that regard, but I just don't think we can eat up a roster spot any longer uh, with his injury issues of late, and especially at wideout. You know, here are a couple of things about T.Y. to note. Last year, he didn't break a single tackle. He, he was never great at breaking tackles, but he always, had always broken some. 
His yards after the catch, as you would guess, dropped to a career low. Uh, he didn't play many games. His career, er, his receptions last year, not a lot of them. And, and that may have been a, uh, an issue with Carson Wentz, but he had real trouble staying on the field. And you're right, you know, a roster spot is problematic. But you got to find, don't you, Paul, you got to find another weapon for that roster from somewhere. I, I believe that, and hopefully something in these post-draft um, cuts and releases take place that would um, at least give us T.Y.'s production plus from last year. Um, as far as the leadership piece, if if these young guys can't follow Reggie Wayne's role model as a leader, I mean, there's a guy on the cusp of a Hall of Fame induction. I've you know, that I don't think that'll be a problem. I, I totally agree. Thanks so much for the call, Paul. Sure. I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's a uh, the the deal with leadership, as Paul said, is that I, I think that we overblow that as as fans and as media, the leadership in the room. I think that Darius Leonard at the age of 25 or whatever is every bit the leader that T.Y. Hilton would be at 33. I think Quentin Nelson's a leader. I think Matt Ryan's a leader. I, I think you've got plenty of leaders. I, I think this gives Michael Pittman Jr. an opportunity to be a leader on this team, and I think that that's a great thing. Uh, I think having young leadership, that you know, age is not necessarily conducive to to leadership. Let's go to Sam. How you doing, Sam? Uh, good afternoon, and make sure you unmute yourself. Sam, how you doing? I'm good, Kent. How are you? I'm good. What do you think about T.Y., Matt, Ryan, whatever uh, Colt's uh, opinion you got? Yeah, so, well, you know, first of all, uh, long time, first time. I really love your content, Kent. Um, as far as T.Y., you know, I, I love him. You know, he – I. I've cheered for him as soon as, or as long as he's been a Colt. Um, I tend to think that his best days are definitely behind him. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree uh, with the first caller that there's probably a need for another wide receiver to sort of fill out that room. Um, I, I wondered your opinion on Julio Jones. Uh not necessarily expecting him to be the Julio of old, but I kind of, maybe I'm crazy for thinking this, but I kind of envision a scenario where he, he and Paris Campbell kind of combined to give us one good season. Yeah, you know, here's the deal with Julio. He played just as many games as T.Y. Hilton did last year, but he was far more productive in those games. Played 10 for the Bengals last, or for the uh, Titans last year. And, and had the kind of productivity you would expect from a younger version of Julio Jones. With T.Y., you really didn't get that. So I'm a little bit higher on Julio Jones. I, I wonder about the math, though. I, I You know, it, one plus one doesn't always equal one. You know, one flawed receiver plus another flawed receiver or often injured receiver sometimes equals none, and, and that becomes problematic. I do agree that if Paris Campbell can get healthy, and stay healthy for a season, and, and God knows it's a long shot. But this is one thing to remember about Paris is this is kind of his option year. He's got to put up or shut up this year, or he's going to be out of work and nobody's going to sign him. If he can play 17 games 
at a high level, he's going to make himself a lot of money, and he will make the Colts really, really dangerous. Appreciate that take, Kent. Thank you very much. Absolutely. There you go. Uh, appreciate that very much. Appreciate the call. Just hit the call button. You want know, to talk about the Colts uh, and uh, what they've got, what they're bringing to the table this year. And, and one of the questions that we spoke about this week on the YouTube channel is whether Matt Ryan can now be considered the best quarterback in the AFC South. I'm interested in your opinions about this. Um, last year, Matt Ryan was ranked 22nd in QBR. And, and I use QBR not because it's a great statistic. It's, it's incredibly flawed. I think it overvalues the running game for, for quarterbacks. Um, but it's also the best that we got. You know, of all the bad statistics, I think it's the best bad kind of greater of of uh, of quarterbacks, Ryan twenty second, uh, Ryan Tannehill eighth last year in QBR, Tannehill at fifty five point nine. But if you take into account what I was talking about earlier, and that's kind of that Frank Reich bump, uh, and you add seven point five to Matt Ryan's rating last year of forty six point one, you get fifty three point six, and that's virtually identical, uh, close to Ryan Tannehill's fifty five point nine. Then you take away from Tannehill, you take away A.J. Brown as uh, a weapon. You add Burks as a weapon. They drafted him in the first round out of Arkansas. And all of a sudden, you, you kind of see Matt Ryan elevating, and you see Ryan Tannehill not elevating. Ryan Tannehill, kind of a, a troubling uh, media availability earlier this week, talked about a dark place that he went to after the playoff loss last year. You want guys to regret losing, right? But you don't necessarily want him to go to a deep, dark place for weeks and months at a time and have to go to therapy to get out of it. Thank God he went to therapy. You know, that's a good thing. But I think Matt Ryan comes in, certainly he's better right now than Mills or or than Lawrence. I think he's the best in the AFC South or can be expected to be the best in the AFC South. Hey, make sure, Jake, as we welcome you to the show, make sure and unmute yourself. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to talk on on this glorious early Saturday afternoon, this Derby Day. How you doing, Jake? Make sure. There you go. How you doing, Jake? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Um, Good, good. uh, Excited for Derby Day, so it's a good day. Sweet. Um, My question, not exactly about Matt Ryan, but uh, I asked this to my buddy a while ago. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. It's kind of more of a hypothetical, but um, would you rather have the 2015 wide receiving core with Matt Ryan or the t- current wide receiving core with Matt Ryan? And a caveat to this, um, not all great players make great coaches. So why do you think Reggie Wayne will be a great coach? I, I think that Reggie was kind of forced to prove himself as a coach. Uh, in, in doing it, you know, periodically during camp and in being impressive with, with his current coaching staff. And I do think it's really interesting. Like they brought Mike Mitchell in to be an assistant DB's coach, uh, not run the room, but he's the assistant kind of the, to the secondary's coach. And then you bring in Reggie Wayne as a guy who's coming in as the wide receivers coach. And, and I think that that just speaks to the respect with which he is held uh, by the organization. And I think he's going to come in as a really, really 
here's the thing about Reggie Wayne. I've told this story before, but Reggie Wayne set a great example, especially late in his career out at Anderson during uh, training camp. I'd go up there to cover the team and Reggie Wayne at the end of every workout would come over to the jugs gun and take about 60 balls one handed uh, first at his chest, right handed, then at his chest, left handed, and then at his hips and then at his knees, take 10 each. And the young guys would walk by him, kind of shake their heads like, what the hell is this old man doing? Why is he putting in all this work? Well, that's how you become a Hall of Famer. I I always thought that he was really, really good in that role. Um, Moving to the other question, I I think it's really interesting. That wide receivers room, you had T.Y. Hilton, who was really, really good that year, caught uh, 69 balls for 1,124 yards. You had Dante Moncrief. You had Andre Johnson. And uh, really, that's about what you had. Uh, Dorsett, Dorsett was there, but he didn't play a lot, played 11 games, no starts. And Dorsett, of course, washed out. Um, I would prefer, and this is a little peeling back the curtain a little bit, I would prefer the curtain guys, or the current guys, because they're adults. And, and the guys that they had during that 2015 year, they spent a lot more time playing Nerf hoop for 50 bucks in the locker room than they did thinking about football. And, and that's kind of the, that's the, the unpleasant aspect of, uh, you know, inviting the media into the locker room is that we get to see, and if you don't comport yourself at a level that professionals would, then it becomes pretty obvious and, and it, it was no surprise to me at all when uh, Chris Ballard took over the team that all of a sudden Moncrief was gone and Dorsett was gone. That wasn't a surprise. Uh, Andre Johnson, toward the tail end of his career that year, Andre, um, you know, did some good work. He, he's 16 games, 14 starts, 41 catches for 503 yards. But obviously the broom was, bloom was kind of off the roads at the age of 34. And, and I kind of wonder whether Julio Jones would be a similar version of Andre Johnson toward the twilight as we sort of expected him to evoke the image of Andre Johnson that we saw when he played for the Texans. You know what I mean? What are your thoughts? What do you think about bringing back T.Y. Hilton? I would personally love to bring back T.Y. Hilton. Um, I think I I really want to see him get um, 10,000 yards um with the Colts that would make us like the third franchise in history with t- three receivers at 10,000 yards so that's just my personal thoughts but you know it's interesting he's at 96 91 he had 331 last year it, even at the paltry level he contributed last year if he could put together another season like that 23 catches 331 yards he'd get to 10,000 and and that is interesting. And and to me, let me ask you this: Is he is he a Ring of Honor guy? I, in my opinion, yes. Um, just for everything that he's done for the organization, I I think so. But not a Hall of Famer. No, not a Hall of Famer. Do you think this is just a personal peccadillo of me, uh, right. of mine, Jim Harbaugh? You, yeah. you think Jim Harbaugh is a legit Ring of Honor guy? Uh, I don't think so. But um, I also was not alive then. I was born in 99, so. <laughs> it's just my, and I'm also an Ohio State fan, so 
there's that too. <laughs> well, you know, and uh, Harbaugh really played one good year. 94, 96, and 97, he wasn't that much. 95 was kind of a cool year, and he winds up being the poster boy for it. And, yeah. and now being the head coach at, at Michigan and, and continuing to try to leverage his mostly paltry success up there into bigger <laughs> and bigger contracts, he, he, he wears me out a little bit. I appreciate the call. Thank you so much, Jake. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. That's Jake. Uh, this, um, you know, this is Colts call in. We're talking about the Indianapolis Colts and what kind of year they're going to have in 2022. Their team right now, Vegas says the over under on their wins is nine. Nine. They had nine last year with Carson Wentz. They've upgraded with Matt Ryan. They've upgraded with Stefan Gilmore. Yannick Ngakwe is an upgrade. I think Rodney McLeod's an upgrade. You got the draft class coming in, and you really don't lose pieces that you worry about so much. Jonathan Taylor's back, and Michael Pittman Jr.'s back. Jack Doyle retired. You're going to miss Jack Doyle, but they drafted Jelani Woods, and you got to feel good about Jelani Woods. Um, just You want to call? You want to talk about the Colts in 2022? Just hit the button. I, I'd love to get your opinion on where you think the record for this team is going to uh, kind of land. Uh, thinking about them as an 11-6 and six team, I, I think that that's a little ambitious. you know. Uh, but they've got a schedule that works in their favor. If you look at the rankings, and these are all way too early, the, the power rankings are just, during the season, they're kind of inane. You know, in early May... They're just borderline uninformed. You've got the Colts at number 14. Their division mates, the Titans, number 16. The Texans, number 31. The Jaguars, number 26. So this is by far the worst division in the NFL. And then you look at the teams that they've got, and the schedule is going to be released on Thursday. We don't know in what order these games are going to come. But they play 11 teams, including... The six games within their division, they play 11 games against teams that are ranked at a lesser level than they. And then you've got some that are ranked higher, like the Eagles and the Commanders. I, You think they're better than the Colts? I don't think they're better than the Colts. You've also got the Broncos. We don't know what the hell the Broncos are going to look like with Russell Wilson. You do have the Chargers and the Chiefs, who are, I, I think, by any measure, any reasonable measure, you're going to say, okay, they're superior. Uh, the Cowboys are barely superior. But then you got the Vikings, the Giants, the Patriots, the Raiders, uh, all on the road, the Commanders. How about the Commanders? If if they came to Lucas Oil Stadium in week one, if that was the opener, I don't think the NFL will do that. They usually don't do that in week one because, you know, interest is kind of at a, a very high level already. And you, you don't need the the kind of that sort of a thing, that sort of drama, bringing Carson Wentz back to Lucas Oil Stadium to a crowd that cannot wait to boo his ass, right? If he played for the Colts, he'd have got booed this year. But playing for the Commanders, he's certainly going to get booed. Um, I don't think they need that in week one, so I'd be really surprised if that was the opener. But I'm looking forward to that game. Then you've got the Eagles, like I said, and the Steelers. The Steelers, we don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be. We don't know whether it's going to be Trubisky or whom as their starting quarterback. Uh, this is going to be a fascinating year. I, I think things line up kind of correctly for the Colts. And again, 
we've got uh, uh, that schedule uh, kind of release show on ESPN2 at 8 o'clock on Thursday. So that's going to be interesting. Let's go to Aaron Flores and and see how he's doing and, and what he thinks about a, a potential record for the Colts this year. Make sure and unmute yourself, Aaron. How you doing this afternoon? Uh, weather's beautiful here. I don't know where you are. Oh, he dropped off. Uh, might have been trying to mute himself and accidentally dropped himself. Regardless, um, you know, this, I, I think that you can say about the, there's Aaron. All right. Just unmute yourself and, and we'll get to you. There you, uh, there you go, Aaron. And, uh, how you doing this afternoon? Unmute yourself, by the way, again. Okay. Can you hear me talking? Yeah. Hear you fine. How you doing? Good morning. How you doing? I'm over here in uh, California getting ready for, for the Derby. Who you got in the Derby today? Do, do you pay close enough attention to, to put some shekels yes, on yes. a horse this afternoon? No, yes, I do. I, I actually go a lot to, we have a track over here, uh, Golden Gate Fields, and uh, I'm quite a, I'm there, uh, to be honest. But uh, for the Derby, I kind of like uh, Smile Happy out of the fifth gate. I think. You and me both. Yeah, I like Smile Happy a lot. He, you know, the five hole is the most productive in the Derby since 1930. You've had 10 winners out of the five slot. And and that horse, be, and, and like, I'm not betting some seven to two or two to one horse. I, I'm not yeah. going to, because what's the point? Give me right. a guy, give me a horse, early line, 20 to one, who looks good, running out of a good post position. And I'm all about it. I, I totally agree about Smile Happy. Yeah, let's just hope... Uh... You know, the weather stays nice, and, we you know, we don't have a, a rain out like we've had in the past. That's kind of ruined kind of everyone's, uh, you know, studying the night before. Yeah, no worries about that today. Weather's absolutely gorgeous, and it's going to stay gorgeous. It's just a little bit cool. So give me a uh, what you think the Colts record is going to be in 22. Um, the record, uh, to be honest, the record really – I don't think it's going to be that much of a factor since we have that. The division is pretty weak. I mean, we defense, uh, we have the best running game. We got the best O-line of a quarterback that not only, you know, we can, he's safe enough, but the most important thing that he brings to the team is, uh, you know, the brain. He's a very smart guy. Uh, even Reggie Wayne has said that, it's crazy how much he reminds him of uh, how Peyton Manning was. And uh, that's saying a lot, you know. It, let me ask you this. Is that saying too much? Does that elevate expectations to a level that are unreasonable for a, a guy? I think the last four years, the Falcons have had a losing record. And and Peyton, after that 6-10, and 10, I think, it, what was that, 2000 or 2001, like Peyton, all he did was win 12 to 14 games like clockwork, right? Right. Yeah. So no, is that is that setting up expectations that are too high? Um, I don't I don't think so. I think uh, Matt Ryan understands that he's at a point of his career that he needs to win and he needs to win now. And he went to, I believe, the perfect team that has a great, you know, leadership, great ownership. Um, and everything that we're ready to win now. And, uh, I think the expectations are high. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset if we, you know, got past 
I mean, we, we lost at the AFC. Like, I mean, I, I don't see them going that far because, you know, everyone needs to mesh up together and, you know, get that, uh, you know, familiarity with everyone. But uh, I, I believe either not this year, but next year for sure. No excuses. Yeah, it's Super Bowl or bust next year. I appreciate it, Aaron. Thanks so much for the call. Have a good time out in Cali. And, yes, go smile happy. Kenny McPeaks, the uh, trainer of Smile Happy, and Kenny knows his way around Churchill Downs and big events like this. Uh, I want to talk about undrafted free agents a little bit because I think the Colts got a couple of guys you've got to feel a little bit good about. Uh, JoJo Doman from Nebraska is one of them. He was expected to be drafted in the fifth round or sixth round. He looks like a guy who is going to be able to play at least special teams. He's a faster version, I think, of Jordan Glasgow, the special teams kind of uh, specialist from uh, Michigan, Michigan graduate. I think Doman's going to be really good. They signed Ryan Van Demmerk out of UConn to a contract with a $160,000 bonus. And, and that's kind of, that's a lot of money to throw at an undrafted free agent. So he could make the team. I, they like him a lot. You've got Sterling Weatherford out of Hamilton Heights High School, right up here on the northeast side of the Indianapolis area from Miami of Ohio. He was signed. And uh, you, you've got Jack Cohn as a quarterback out of Notre Dame. I think Jack Cohn is a really interesting undrafted free agent because I, I don't think that they signed him just to throw money at a guy. And by the way, his signing bonus was a peculiar amount. It was $1,666. Anyway, Cohn might fit as a backup to Ryan at a different level than Sam Ellinger. Uh, let's invite Gary to the show. How you doing this afternoon, Gary? Make sure and unmute yourself. I appreciate the call. I can't. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Awesome. Um, a couple things I think about Ryan and his ability as a quarterback is he uh, utilizes his backs out of the backfield way more than Carson Wentz ever did. Yeah. So I think I think Hines is going to have potentially could have a big year, and so is Jonathan Taylor. Or you, you know, you get Taylor one on one with a cornerback out of the backfield. You know, it could go to the house. Um, so there's you can utilize those as receivers. But I, I think you're right about the ten. You know, the ten wins or eleven wins. That's a pretty good number to be at. And I don't think it's 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 uh, nothing that they can't attain. They just have to play well. They can't start one and five. And one of the one of the great things about Matt Ryan is he has made he's made his own living by he he's built houses for tight ends. Kyle oh. Pitts was incredible last year. Uh, you had Gonzalez for a long time with Ryan. Uh, you've had other guys who really performed at their best, including Jacob Tammy, who was drafted here as a, a tight end and went to Atlanta. You've got tight ends here. Johnny Woods is a rookie. Mo Ali Cox, Kylan Granson, who can be expected to join Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor as guys who put up some stout numbers. I totally agree that Carson Wentz ignored the backs last year, never used checkdowns almost ever, and 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 really put the offense in a bind by just focusing and honing in on one guy. I'm really interested in watching what Matt. I think that Matt Ryan is kind of a combination of of Carson Wentz, although he can't run at all like Carson Wentz. But he has some arm strength. And then I think he's got kind of the processing power 
of uh, Philip Rivers. And, and I think it's kind of a comment. You take sort of what, what Rivers did and you augment it a little bit and you've got Matt Ryan. I'm really looking forward to seeing what that looks like. I agree. And I think the tight ends, you bring up a great point. You get two, six, seven tight ends in there in the end zone, big targets. They can, you know, go up and get the football. Um, the same with the uh, rookie from Cincinnati, 41 inch vertical jump. He can go up and get the football. Uh, in the red zone, I think they're a little bit more dangerous than they have been in the last few years. I totally agree. Thanks so much for the call, Gary. You're I welcome. appreciate that. Um, Alec Pierce, we haven't even talked about Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce drafted 53rd. He was the guy, and I told you on the YouTube channel the day uh, prior to Alec Pierce being drafted and Johnny Woods that they were going to take Alec Pierce and Johnny Woods. Alec Pierce is a guy, and, and this is like uh, the Colts dive deep into these guys and believe in their assets. Um, and, and one of the things that they really like about Alec Pierce is he played high school volleyball in, in suburban Chicago. He went to Glenbard West. And I believe it was West. Might have been South. I don't know. However, he played volleyball. And, and so he developed the skill set necessary to go kind of high point passes. And he can go up in traffic and he can take down passes and and that's something that I know they liked about Pittman when they drafted him out of USC. They thought he was going to go up and, and be able to win 50-50 balls. And then Pierce is another 50-50 ball winner. And Gary brings up a great point. Mo Ali Cox, 6'7". Jelani Woods, 6'7". Uh, and then Ogletree is also 6'7". So you got three tight ends who are 6'7". And then you got Kylan Granson is one of those guys sort of like a Dallas Clark who can work the seam a little bit. And all of a sudden, Frank Reich, instead of having a Frank Reich whose toolbox is kind of restricted by the way Carson Wentz played the quarterback position and and the level at which he focused on Pittman at the expense of everybody else in the offense, you know, you've got an opportunity. And you saw the year before with Rivers. I mean, there were a lot of games where Rivers hit 10 different receivers and there was all kinds of work being done all over the field where defenses had to cover the 53 and a third width of the field and about 40 yards deep. You really had to, you had to deploy assets across that great divide at a level where it's not as, uh, it's a little bit easier to go ahead and hunt for your guy and see where an opening is going to be. And I think that that's going to be very, very interesting for the Colts offense. We haven't even talked about the defense and, and the defense I think is going to take a step up. If Stephon Gilmore can play at the level that he played at a couple of years ago, I mean, he's 32. That's a little bit long in the tooth as a cornerback, but as he lose a little bit of speed, Rick Venturi has always told me that he could, he would tell DBs, you know what, if you listen to me now, I'm going to add two years to your career. Because when you lose the speed, you're going to be smart enough to be able to continue to compete at the NFL level despite your lack of speed. You're going to develop tactics that are going to serve you well in those final two years. I'm going to make you a lot of money in the last two years you play. Stephon Gilmore is probably edging toward that final two years. And then on the other side, I think he's going to be really good, and I think Mike Mitchell's going to be really good for uh, Isaiah Rogers. You know, Mike Mitchell was an interesting guy. Uh, the Colts picked him up as a free agent about halfway through the season. 
uh, I think three years ago, and Quincy Wilson was here. And Quincy Wilson, as it turned out, really couldn't play dead, except for the amount of time he played while Mike Mitchell was on the team. Mike Mitchell kind of mentored Quincy Wilson and put him in a mindset where he could be as productive as he was ever going to be as a Colts cornerback. He played his best football with Mike Mitchell there. Mike Mitchell talked like a coach. He behaved like a coach. And now he is a coach. I think he's going to do great work for the Indianapolis Colts. I I can't wait to see what Mike Mitchell brings to the party. If you have a comment, you want to share what you think the Colts are going to do this next season, who you think is kind of a pick-to-click with Matt Ryan on the offensive side of the ball, whether you think, like Yannick Ngakwe in the Gus Bradley system has been good for 8 to 12 sacks every single year that he's played under Gus Bradley. And in those 8 to 12 sacks, if he can replicate that as, as kind of that Leo guy in the Gus Bradley system where he gets out on the right side way wide and you've got Pay on the left side, you've got DeForest Buckner and you've got Grover Stewart inside and, and other guys rotating, certainly. Yeah, they still got Ben Banigus somehow. Uh, and, and then uh, Taekwon Lewis, hopefully he's back. And you've got those guys um, kind of stepping up. I think it's going to be fascinating. At any rate, um, let's uh, make sure, John, make sure and unmute your uh, yourself. And uh, um, uh, let's talk to John. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm pretty good. How are you doing, Kent? I'm doing good. What do you think about the Colts in 2022? Well, uh, I'm really excited to kind of see what the schedule is going to come out here soon. Yeah. I'm hoping they can get off to a good start. I'm kind of curious, like, who do you think their best case scenario to go against to get off to a good, a good start? Because it would be great to not go 0-2 or 3, you know, at the start of the season. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to say is I think – the Texans, or not, I'm sorry, the tennis, the Titans are going to take a step back. I think the Texans are going to be the surprise team to uh, make it challenging for us this year. You know what? It, it's going to be interesting to see what the Jaguars do, too. The Jaguars, they drafted a center, and they signed Brandon Scherf as a free agent guard, one of the best guards in the NFL. So Trevor Lawrence is going to have more protection, uh, you know, weapon-wise. I don't know exactly. They're on a long-term build. And, and so I think against the Jaguars, I, but what am I talking about? They lose to the Jaguars every year. The, the one thing that I don't want them to do in the opener, I do not want to trip down to Jacksonville for the opening game of this season. They haven't won an opener since, I think, 2013. And that's ridiculous. They've got to figure out a way. And this is what you got. Like, Frank Reich is a steady-as-you-go cat. He is a week-to-week cat. He talks about 1% better, and he means it. And I think that that lack of urgency has really kind of hurt the Colts. And that lack of urgency has led to them losing openers. And and I don't think I don't think you can do that if you're the Colts. Go 0-2 or, or lose that opener year after year after year and not have it bite you in the ass. I totally agree. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. That's John Noble giving us a call on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. I think the Colts are going to be kind of that sexy pick to uh, not necessarily represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, but to win the AFC South and maybe cobble together enough assets to win beyond that and win in the playoffs. 
Um, you know, look at the Bengals last year. The Bengals were coming off a terrible season. Uh, Joe Burrow had torn his ACL. They had drafted uh, over the past couple of years. They drafted really good weapons. I mean, Jamar Chase, obviously, uh, a guy who stepped to the fore and had played with Joe Burrow down at LSU. That team kind of, they eked their way into the playoffs at 10-7, and seven, wind up being in the Super Bowl. I, th- I think the bet that is really, really sexy to me Colts plus 1,300 to be the AFC champions. I don't know that they can win the Super Bowl, but I think that the Chiefs may take a step back without Tyreek Hill. Uh, The Bills, I think their year might have been last year. You've got the Bengals. The Chargers, I think, are going to be really interesting. The Chargers are going to be fascinating. And I think that the Colts are going to wind up winning the AFC South for the first time since 2014. And I, I do believe also John John's right. You know, I, I think the Titans are going to take a step back. Colts are going to take a step up and off you go. Had a great time. Enjoy your Saturday. Colts call in. We're going to do it. Here's how this is going to work. We're kind of in an ad hoc scheduling system right now where the default is going to be Saturdays at noon. But if there's news, we're going to talk about it that day. So if like if T.Y. Hilton signs a contract on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, we're going to be talking about T.Y. Hilton signing as an Indianapolis Colt that day, immediately after the afternoon YouTube show and, and make it interactive. We get the comments on YouTube and, and with the podcast, but this is just great to me. I love the technology with call-in. Uh, recommend this to everybody. And, and by the way, if you want to hear yourself, or you want others to hear you, uh, this will be downloaded and available as a podcast on the on the uh, call-in app. Thanks for spending some time with us on Saturday. Go smile happy. The five horse, I'm telling you, that's the best bet on the board. It may not win this afternoon in the Derby. Post time, 6.57, by the way. But I think that that's the horse with the best chance to make you lots of money. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week, and we'll talk to you every morning on Breakfast with Kent inside Indiana Sports Now every afternoon.